Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Our hearts and our minds are open to receive your word with meekness of hearts. Father, we thank you because our lives will not remain the same, O oh God. Lord, we pray that you teach us your word as it is in your heart. We receive understanding of your word, wisdom, knowledge of your word in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your word is given unto us to inspire us, to rebuke us, to correct us, to instruct us, O oh God, to reprove us, O oh God. We thank you because the ministry of the world, word of God, the ministry of your word will be fulfilled in our lives today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Once again, I want to welcome you to this service. If you're just joining us, and um, if you're just joining us, you know, get your Bibles. And um, also, by the end of the service, towards the end of the service, I'm going to be... Um, we are going to be taking communion. So, wherever you are in your home, wherever you are, get a cup of water or a bottle of water and uh, or whatever you have as a drink. Um, not 75% alcoholic drink so that you don't get drunk while taking the communion. So, get something you can, you can use as a drink and we are going to bless it and we take the communion. And if you have cookies or whatever you can use that you can break, you know, to take this communion, you know, get it ready. Because towards the end of this service, we'll be taking communion wherever you are. We'll bless it and the power of God will come upon it and it will do in you and in your life that which the Lord has told us and, and has instructed that to do for you. Praise the Lord. This is a leading by the Spirit of God. All right. Praise the Lord. So for for the past few weeks right now, we've been talking about giving and um, we've been able to explain by the grace of God what, I mean, the different kinds of giving we, we have as Christians. Um, we talked about free will offering. We talked about harms giving. We talked about um, seed offering. We talked about tithing. And um, if by any chance you, you were not able to attend the services where we taught on that, I want you to know that um, the services uh, are still live on, the, on our YouTube channel. You can go back there and watch it and you will be blessed. You know, the knowledge of God's word, it's important for you to have the understanding of God's word because the knowledge that you get from the word of God is what you require to live a successful life. You need to understand what is in the mind of God. You can only know what is in the mind of God by studying his word. And the spirit of God reveals the word to you. Praise God. So, it's it's quite important. You know, make, make it part of your life to listen to messages you know like we have a series of messages on our on our channel that you can you cannot totally exhaust even in in a week or even in a month you know so i would um, i would implore you to during the week to go to, to come to this channel on i mean to a channel on youtube and um, praises christian center incorporated on youtube watch some videos you will be blessed you will learn so much and the knowledge that you get the 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 knowledge of the word of god that you get in in our messages 
begin to practice it. And it's not just theoretical. We are taught the word of God so that we can do the word of God. We are doers of the word. That's what the Bible tells uh, calls us. We are doers of the word. You know. So we are we are practitioners of the word. We are practitioners of the word. We practice the word. So whatever knowledge you get, you know, make up your mind that you practice the word. Make up your mind that you practice the word because that's the only um, that's the only time or that's when you can experience the fullness of what Christianity is all about. When you settle it in your heart that you are a practitioner of the word of God. Praise God. So, take advantage of the um, wealth of information we have on our YouTube channel. Take advantage of that. So, today we will, by the grace of God, round up and um, conclude on this, on the series of giving. Oh, I can't wait to know what the Lord would want to teach us after we conclude this series. I'm expectant. So today we will we'll be finishing up with first fruit offering. Um, it's not that common, you know. Many people don't talk about this because um, many are not taught. Let me just say it that way: they they are not taught about this, so it's not that common. But amazingly, the first fruit offering came before the tithing, before tithes. First fruit came before tithes. As early as Genesis chapter number 4, first fruit came alive. You know. So, we're going to talk about first fruit today and hopefully we can conclude this series in that, um, you know, in this service. So, what is first fruit? First fruit. First fruit. So the, the, the idea of the first fruit as um, imposed by God is actually the first and the best. The first and the best. So I want you to have that at the back of your mind. Now what do I mean by the first and the best? We're going to read some scriptures to show you, just to explain to you, give you an idea of what first fruit is all about. Now, first fruit is that offering that you give. For example, let's say you you got a job. Your first salary, you know, in that job is your first fruit. And according to the word of God, you're supposed to give that salary. That's your first fruit. That's one. The second one is you have a job. And then you got promoted. Of course, if you got promoted, it means your, your salary or your payment or your wage is going to increase because you got promoted. So the difference between where you were before and the position you've been promoted to, the difference of the pay, you subtract it and you give it. That's also first fruit. Now, in the, in the, in the Bible days... According to the law of God, even the first child, I'll read that to you in the, in the scripture in a few minutes. The first child 
of of both animals and human beings. The first child belongs to God. But God gave them an option to redeem the first child of a human being. So, in those days, they have cattle, they rear cattle and ox and sheep and all that. So, the first of every sheep or of every animal that they have, let's say an animal that they rear, give birth to eight, eight kids, eight children, eight babies. And uh, the first one belongs to God. They have to give it. That's the first fruit. Now, as we go on, you understand the essence of this. It is very spiritual. So the firstborn child of a human being, of course, of a child of God, belongs to God. You can redeem that child by an offering. So that doesn't mean that you will take that child and you go and kill that child and say because it belongs to God, God is yours and you kill the child. No. If you are a Christian and your first child, both you and your spouse, your first child together that opened your womb, the first child belongs to God. Now, how do you redeem a child? And what if you don't want to redeem the child? So the child at that moment you know, for the rest of his life, you know, you pray and know and settle in his mind that God will do with him or her what he wants to do. So you can't say you want the child to be a doctor if the Lord has taken him to be a pastor. So, but if you want to redeem the child to be a doctor that you want, there's an offering you will give. That is the redemption. You redeem the child. Why would I redeem the child? If the Lord is going to use him, I'd rather have the Lord use the child. So, but God gave them that option in the Bible days. Praise the Lord. Let's begin to read um, some scriptures right here. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Numbers chapter number 18. I start from Numbers, the book of Numbers. Do you have your Bibles? Are you with me? Numbers. Book of Numbers. Numbers chapter number 18 verse 15. Chapter number 18 verse number 15. Are you there? If you're there, say hallelujah. If you are there, say hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Numbers chapter 18, verse 15. I'll read. He says, Where are you now? Every, okay, I'll read in the King James Version. I got it in the Amplified. The King James Version says, um, Everything that openeth the matrix. In all flesh, which they bring unto the Lord, whether it be of men or beast, shall be thine. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man shall thou surely redeem. And the firstling of unclean beasts shall thou redeem. So, for example, 
if you rear animals or you have animals or you have the business of rearing animals if the first child of whatever animal that you're rearing is uh, is uh, is not the best or is unclean or is sick you must redeem it with a good one that's what the lord is saying I'm going to read that in the Amplified Bible so you understand what it means. We read Numbers chapter 18 verse 15. Alright? Numbers 18 verse 15. I'm going to read in Amplified Bible. Because he used the word matrix there so that you can understand what it means. So, in the Amplified Bible, Numbers 18 verse 15 says, Every firstborn of the womb of all flesh. You see that? The matrix there means womb. Every firstborn of every womb of all flesh. It belongs to God. Praise the Lord. Are you following this? Are you following this? I'm going to read Leviticus. Leviticus chapter number 23. Just to create some foundation on that. Leviticus chapter number 23. And verse number 10. Kozibahashi. Leviticus 23 verse 10 Are you there? He says Speak to the children of Israel and say to them When you enter the land which I am giving you and reap its harvest you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priests Now this now begins to tell you where to take that first fruit he told them, take it to the priest. It belongs to the priest. In this case, a pastor. Now, last week, I remember at the beginning of the service, on um, last week Sunday, the Lord led us and for a few minutes, I talked about having a pastor as a Christian, as a child of God. God, one of the things that God detests is rebellion. And there's a reason why the Bible calls us sheep. Because of the, attribu- um, the, 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 the attributes of a sheep. One of the attributes of a sheep is, is submissiveness to the shepherd. The Bible told us in the book of John, Jesus was talking. He said, I am the good shepherd. And he calls us his sheep, his flocks. And I told you last week, I said, all that the sheep, the animal sheep, needs to know is to see that, to see his shepherd and to see the staff of his shepherd. That's all he needs to know. And wherever that shepherd goes, the sheep goes. Whatever instruction the shepherd gives, the sheep follows. And I remember I made mention of the fact that the Lord never called us goats. A goat is beaten and forced and pulled and fights back. You cannot give a goat instruction and he will just follow you. No. 
If you have seen when someone has or someone went to buy a goat and tried to take that goat home, if you have seen that before, you will you will you will not want to be called a goat. Always fighting back. You're pulling the goat. Is 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 pulling back. Like, no, I'm not going. Rebellious. But God didn't call us that. He called us sheep. He calls us flocks, his own flocks, his own sheep. Why? Because he, he expects us to totally surrender to his word and to his will. He, 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 is, he expects us to totally surrender to his word. His word being the staff and to the, to, to, to the son of God, to himself. Which is the shepherd. Jesus said I am the good shepherd. The shepherd and his staff. The shepherd and his word. So that is one thing that is required of us. A a submissiveness to God. His word. His instructions. And his guide. So I haven't um, said that. You cannot function successfully as a Christian. Without having a shepherd over you. Jesus said I am the good shepherd. But yet he gives shepherd. To watch over you in the earth. And the Bible lets us know that this shepherd. These pastors. They will give reports to God. About you. A pastor. He's supposed to guide you spiritually. He's supposed to nurture you. Just like I said last week, I said, many of us, you know, many of you go to the hospital, you do checkups, you know, you consult with the doctor, you see something, you feel something, you rush to the doctor, and this is what I'm experiencing, you know, and you know, you go to the doctor. That's a doctor of the body. And I said last week, I said, a pastor is a doctor of your spirit. He's a spiritual doctor. And amazingly, the state of your spirit controls the state of your body and your life. (laughs) So that tells you which one is more important. If the state of your spirit is wrong, you will be wrong and your life will be wrong. And the Bible says, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So as a Christian, you must learn to submit to a pastor. You must have someone who you call your pastor, your personal pastor, to watch over you, who prays for you. You know, there are so many Christians who they go to their pastor and, and about a situation and the pastor counsels them. And even while they are going to the pastor's office to meet with the pastor and seek his counsel, they've made out their mind what they will do. And the pastor gives them a counsel and they will not take it and go and do exactly what they want to do. 
I've seen many people like that, many Christians like that, and it always come back to burn them. See, there's something about a pastor. I said to you last week, I said, a pastor stands in the place of God. He's not an ordinary man. He must stand in front, stand in front of you as an ordinary man, but that's the representative of God. That's why a pastor is called a man of God. Read, read in your Bible, the, the prophets, they were called men of God. What does that mean? They start, stand in the place of God. So even if a pastor gives you wrong counsel that you, you, are, you are supposed to follow and that you followed it, it will come around for your good. Because God always respects the anointing. So it is important that you have a pastor. So I brought that up again because when you're giving your first fruit, it goes to your pastor. And like I said also last week, don't, don't, uh, don't have the mentality that you are helping your pastor. Don't think like that. It's a spiritual sacrifice. You are helping yourself. By the time I begin to show you the benefits and what that will do, like I said in, the, in this series, all throughout this series, I've said it again and again and again, that all these kind of uh, givings that we do as Christians, they have their different benefits. You can't substitute one for the other. As children of God, our life, our life is complete. Praise God. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter number 3. Book of Proverbs chapter number 3. Are you there? Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9. You know, someone might be thinking, why, why, why is he talking about this? There's a reason why you work. God is as interested in your financial prosperity, in your finances, more than you are interested in your finances. And God laid out for us principles, his kingdom principles, not the world's principles, but his kingdom principles. To have, to experience financial success, financial increase. So you will be an hypocrite if you're wondering why I'm talking about this and yet you wake up to go to work because there's a reason you go to work another thing that you know do you know that God never told us to work so that we can be able to feed ourselves or so that we can be able to take care of ourselves God told us to work so that we can give <laughs> oh boy I wish you understand that. I will show you in the Bible. So, 
you going to work is not you know i i i hear many people talk how they don't want to lose their job their life is dependent on their job i i, I cringe when i hear words like that because i cannot talk like that for a child of god you are working so that you can give You're not working so that you can take care of yourself or pay your bills. No. Yes, you might be paying your bills, but that's not the reason why you're working. Because before you got that job, were you not paying your bills? Let's read the scripture. Then I will I will begin to show you some some things. I said Proverbs chapter number 3 verse 9. Don't let don't let your job control your life. When you are a Christian, it is easy for you to make anything an idol. In other words, to make something to take the place of God in your life. It's very easy. But you've got to be attentive. And pay attention to the things that you do. So that you, you, you don't think you're serving God, but, but, but you're serving the things that God has given you. The reason why you go to work is number one, so that you can give. Number two, so that you can meet people and show them the dimension of God based on you. You know you are the revelation of God wherever you go. You are the expression of his, of his, of his, uh, of his, of his personality wherever you go. So your workplace is an avenue also to show that. So wherever you work, when they give you an assignment, you should do that assignment excellently the way God would have done it because that's what you represent. And that's who you represent. They should find out that you are a Christian and say, no wonder, everything about him is excellent. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9. Are you there? He says, honor the Lord with thy substance. Ooh, I love that. He says, honor the Lord. He didn't say help the Lord. When you are giving, I told you, don't think that you are helping God. <laughs> you are only doing what God will use or, or, or fulfilling his principle for a financial increase. What you don't give, you cannot have. And uh, what you don't give, you cannot retain. He says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thine increase. You see, the other time I explained to you that when you when you're working and then you got promoted, and then you know, of course, your 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 your, your wage will increase. The difference between the position uh, the pay you were getting or the wage you were getting before you got promoted and now that you are promoted, the difference is that increase. It's also your first fruit. And he's saying here, this word he's talking about here. He says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thine increase. Of all thine increase. Verse 10, he says, so shall thy burns be filled with plenty. If you want to walk in plenty. See, you can have enough for yourself. And for your family. 
But if you want to walk in plenty, that means bountifulness. This is what he says you should do. He says, so shall thy burns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Hallelujah. Oh, glory, glory, hallelujah. I'm going to read that same, that verse 10 in the Amplified Bible. Let's see how he puts it. He says, then your burns will be abundantly filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Oh my goodness, this is significant. In the Amplified Classic Bible, he says, so shall your storage, uh-huh, he uses today's English. He says, so shall your storage, so shall your storage places be filled with plenty, not just your storage place. You see, your storage places. <laughs> you know, I've heard, I've heard testimony of people who have miracle money just showed up in their bank accounts. <laughs> it was not a mistake. They traced it. They said, yeah, it is your, it's your money. <laughs> miracle money. Your bank account is, is a storage. One of your storages. Liba Kozevelesha. Ah, I wish you could, you could, you could dare do the things, do the word of God so that you can experience the supernatural. See, so shall thy, so shall your storage, so shall your storage places be filled with plenty and your vats shall be overflowing with new wine. In other words, everything about you will not be stale. It will be new, refreshed, shining. There will be glory in all that you do. There will be beauty, life, taste in all that you do. He says when you, verse 9, he says, Honor the Lord with your capital and sufficiency, Kaya, from righteous labors, Lisa Kozele. He says, Honor the Lord with your capital and sufficiency from righteous labors and with the first fruit of your income. Righteous labor. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that means the Lord wants you to walk. And so that you can use the money to honor him. Hey, Kasho, is your money honoring the Lord? This year so far, can you, can you make a list of what you have used your money for? And can you, can you tick and, and pick out some things that you know these things was, was done in the honor of the Lord? And then you, you, and then you will wake up in the morning and say, Lord, bless me. Bless, bless you. When your finance is the one you have right now, it's not honoring the Lord. It's not speaking the name of Jesus. You know money can speak. Haya. Ligaba. Honor the Lord. See, not that when you give, then God will now bless you. It's not a trick. But money is one thing that people can die for, kill for. Still, they can do uh, the most evil thing about money, for money. They can do, human beings can do the most evil thing for money. Why? Because there, there's some kind of importance that is placed on money. 
So, but what people are killing for God says you should honor him with it. <laughs> God just wants you to show that you honor him. It's not like he needed your money or he needs your money. But what is so precious to you, imagine you wake up in the morning. Some you don't even get get up to up to uh up to eight hours sleep in a day. You work, and yet from that money that you work worked for, you are honoring the Lord with it. You know what you are saying? You are saying, Lord, my source is not this job. My source is not this money. You are my source, oh God. I honor you therefore with this offering. That's what you are saying. When you do these things, like last week we talked about tithing. Some, as a Christian, it's not even crossing their mind at all. And I told you, some are so, some are so, some Christians are, are, are so spiritually myopic that they will even say, "I'm not giving my money to the church." Who told you you're giving your money to the church? Which Bible did you read? And he told you that. Have you been taught what the anointing is? Do you understand that as a Christian, we are not physical people. We are not, we are not physical beings. We are spirit beings. So who told you you are giving it to the church? The church is just, is just a place where God has said, bring it to. It's God that receives it. As you take your offering, whatever kind of giving that you take to the house of God, you drop it in that bag or, in, or on that altar. It's God. You're giving it to God. He recognizes it. I showed you, I think the, 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 the second service... Uh, the part two of um, of this series, I showed you from the, uh, from the scripture in Acts chapter number ten, sorry, Acts chapter number eleven, about Cornelius, how that is giving God recognizes giving that he had to send an angel to him so that he might be saved. How did I know? Because the angel said so. He said God has seen your harms, He has seen your giving, and let me tell you something. Who were this guy? Who was Cornelius giving to? If you study that scripture in the right context, if you do your deep study, Cornelius was not a Jew. He was not a Jew. So he doesn't belong to the commonwealth of the people of God. But he was living amongst them. And the Bible said he, he gave a lot to God's people. He gave so much to God's people. He was not given to just people, anybody who don't know God. He was, he, he was not given to pagans. He was not just being nice. The Bible lets us know that this guy was given to the Jewish people. which, which and, and these are people that are called the children of God. The people of God. So God could recognize it because he was given to his own children. Not because it was nice. Because it was given to God's people. And to this church. The synagogue. There were a lot of giving that Cornelius did. For, for the house of God. There were a lot of giving. Yet. 
he believed that there, there, there is a God. But he had no cordial relationship with, with God. You know what God? God sent an angel so that he would know him and have an intimate relationship with him. Just because it was given to God's people. So whenever you give in the house of God, you're not giving to the pastor. You're not giving to the church. God is the one you're giving to. And he sees what you're giving. Especially those times when you hear the voice of Jesus tells you, give so so amount of money, and you say, no. And you cut it off. You cut it short. He's watching you. He's looking into your heart. And when you give, let your mind be, be right. Let your heart be in your giving. Oh my goodness. I hope you're learning something. Let me show you something in the book of Genesis. I said, let your heart be in your giving. Don't, don't give disrespectfully. You know, I learned at a, as a, at, a, at a very young age, you know, the reference of giving an offering. If I wanted to give someone older than me some money, let me not even talk about maybe a governor or a mayor or a president and I wanted to give them cash. How will I give them that cash? Will I squeeze it and throw it at him? That's what many Christians do. They go to church. They bring out the dirtiest, the most useless notes in their pocket or, or in their wallet. And that's what they are using for. In fact, they didn't even plan the offering. They were coming to church without a plan of, this is my offering, this is what I'm giving as offering to, to, today in church. No plan. You just say, offering, then... What a, what, what a way you're honoring God. I learned at a very tender age to plan my offering. I never squeezed my offering. I would stretch the note out, put it in an envelope with reverence. That's God Almighty. Do you know why? Uh, I'll show you something. One guy who gave first fruit and gave the and gave and gave the worst. See what happened to him. Genesis chapter number four. Genesis chapter number four. It's been there. It's been there. Genesis chapter number four. If you're there, say hallelujah. Genesis chapter number 4. Let's start reading from verse 1 so that you can get the whole gist. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. Genesis 4 verse 1. And bare Cain, that means gave birth to Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Verse 2. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. Now it tells you the occupation of Abel. Alright? He was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground, was a farmer, right, of crops, you know. Verse 3, and in 
process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And verse 4 now, and Abel, he also brought of the firstlings <laughs> hey, of his flock and of the fat thereof. Did you hear that? The descriptions there, he said, Abel brought the first and the best, the fattest of his animal. He brought it to the Lord. The best. Listen. Let's keep reading. I'll read verse 4 again. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings, that's also first fruit, of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. The respect there is that God recognized his offering. The offering caught the attention of God. Why? Because he didn't think of giving God what is useless to him. He gave to God what is, what is the best that he could give. That is how you honor God. We read in Proverbs chapter number, number 3 verse 9. He said, honor the Lord your God with your substance. Honor. The guy wanted, wanted to give his first fruit to the Lord. He gave the first and the best. The fat one was the one he gave as a sacrifice unto God. And the Bible says that God saw the offering. So that means when you're giving God, God is seeing your offering. God, 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 God can see it. He said God saw the offering and had respect unto his offering. In other words, God recognized and reverenced that offering. Accepted the offering. That's what it means. God accepted the offering. What about Cain's own? Let's, let's keep reading. You see. You see. Verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had no, not respect. That means God did not have respect. In other words, God did not accept the offering of Cain. Why? Let's keep reading. And Cain was very wroth. That means he was upset. He was angry. And his countenance fell. Some people will say he began to carry fish. <laughs> Verse 6 And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why are you angry, Cain? God was talking to him. Why are you angry? What's your problem? So, why are thou wroth? And why is thy countenance falling? Verse 7 If thou doest well, shall thou not be, be accepted? Did you hear that? God is saying, if you have done well, do you think your offering will not be accepted? Now you are angry because your brother's offering was accepted, but yours wasn't. Let me read this in the in the in another translation so that you know that I'm not I'm not making this up. We're in verse 7, right? Verse 7, Amplified Classic Bible says, If you do well, will you not be accepted? Let's read from verse 6. It says, And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why do you look sad and depressed and dejected? Verse 7 now, If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin crouches at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. See, instead, instead of in to incur a blessing, incur the curse. Incur the curse. I'm going to read that again in the Amplified Bible. 
verse 6 and 7. Genesis chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Where are you now? He says, And the Lord, verse 6, And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you so angry? And why do you look annoyed? If you do well, believe in me, and doing what is acceptable and pleasing to me. Hiya. Hey, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, but ignore my instruction, hey, it's a sin crouches at your door. Its desire is for you to overpower you, but you must master it. It's as simple as that. There was a couple in the book of Acts. Nobody asked them to go and sell their properties. Nobody told them. The apostles did not tell them to go and sell their properties. But it was just, it was just something that the, that, that the early churches were doing. They sold their properties and shared the money equally. They were all, you know, they were taking care of each other. So this couple decided to go and sell their property. And the money they got from selling the property, they came to the apostle with some portion of the money taken aside. And they came to the apostle and lied and said, oh, so this is what we have. This is what we, we, we got from selling our property. The Bible says they, they, they thought... Um, the apostles were just ordinary men. I told you, a man of God, a pastor, a prophet is a man of God. He stands in the place of God. They came and lied. Nobody told you to go and sell. You sold it and now you are lying about the money that you got from selling your property. In front of the disciple, in front of the apostles, the men of God, standing in the place of God. You know what happened to them? The husband was the first that came and said that. He died instantly. The Bible says he fell down and died. Immediately. How dare you lie before God? The wife came in and is accomplished. The same thing happened to her. She fell down and died. Before the apostles, the Bible says that fear gripped the heart of the, of the people. Instant judgment. So when it comes to giving, you don't want to play God. Let your heart be pure. Let your heart be in your giving. Reference your giving. Give respect to your giving. I talked about those who, who will use their tithe and use it and, and give it to help a friend. No, that's an abomination. When you do that, just like what um, Cain did, Cain incurred a curse. Nobody told him to give. He decided that that's what he should do. Why? Because man is a spirit. Man is connected to God. The intuition in man alone, even when he's not born again, he knows that he has to sacrifice. There was, there was this intuition in Cain and Abel that they must give an offering to God. God did not tell them to do it. Boy, they went ahead, but he gave, he gave the most disrespectful one. He gave a bad offering and he incurred for, for himself a curse. Something that he should have done right so that he can incur a blessing. 
And you know what? Because he was cursed, that was how he could be able to kill his brother. Why? Because that curse must be fulfilled. He must sin. He incurred a curse of sin. He killed his brother. And the Bible says, while, while he killed his brother, the blood of his brother began to cry to God. So let your heart reference your offering. Let your heart be in your giving. I said the first fruit is the first and the best. Romans chapter number 11. Now I'm, I'm, I'm showing you the benefits right now. Romans chapter number 11. Romans, book of Romans. Chapter 11. Verse number 16. Are you there? Romans 11 verse 16. Thank you Lord Jesus. Listen to this. Listen to this. Romans 11 16 says, For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. He said, if the first fruit be holy, how is the first fruit holy? Now, when you set aside your first fruit offering and you give it, it's holy. And then whatever you make afterwards is sanctified by the Lord. So someone cannot curse your money. Someone cannot curse your finances because now it's, it's, <laughs> the power of God is on it. Why? Because you gave your first fruit. He said, if the first fruit be holy, he said, the lump, that means, the, 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 for example, I said, your first salary, you gave your first salary, and then, you know, because you just got a job, and then you gave a first salary, your, your first fruit, and then you, you continue working, you know, doing that job, you know, your, your, um, your salary afterwards, continuously, is holy. God sanctifies it because of the first fruit that you gave. No wonder. Somebody stole money from, from a child of God. He probably was, 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 was someone who adhered to the principle of first fruit. The Bible, um, 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 you know, what the Bible showed us. And the thieves that stole the money, they said every time they opened the briefcase, about to take the money, a voice would cry out from the, from the money, return, return me, return me. They became so so scared every time they opened the briefcase. <laughs> because if the first fruit be holy, the lump is holy. Anyone that steals from you, they have stolen from God and they will be dearly punished. Why? Because the power. God, God, God ah, yeah. God is now, is now your your ah, yeah. hey, hey. is now in charge of your money. His power is upon your finances. Why? Because you give your first fruit. So everything, uh, your finances, your subsequent, your subsequent finances is sanctified by the Lord. No one can contaminate it. If the first fruit be holy, he said the lump is holy. I'll read it in another translation. Amplified Classic Bible. 
He says, now if the first handful of dough offered as the first fruits, is holy, consecrated, so is the whole mass. You see? So is the whole mass. That's the principle of first fruit. The first fruit is holy. So is the whole mass. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So it is it is important that as a child of God, don't depend on the principle of the world for financial increase. It will fail you. It will put you in trouble. And you will incur curses and evil. One of the attributes that we have as children of God is to give. Someone who gives can never be greedy. A greedy person is not a giver. You can't be greedy and be a giver. It doesn't go together. There are just some things that God wants us to do to take care of some habits that are devilish. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. Hey, hey, that scripture says, it says God, God cannot do without a cheerful giver. He said he cannot do without a cheerful giver. God cannot do without a cheerful giver. Maybe I should show you that scripture. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Ah. He says, God cannot do without a cheerful giver. Haya. Praise the Lord. First Corinthians. Corinthians. God loves a cheerful giver. Kigebese. Sorry, Second Corinthians chapter number nine. Second Corinthians, not first Corinthians, second Corinthians chapter number nine. Are you there? Where's my second Corinthians? Chapter number 9, verse number, let's start reading from verse 6. I wanted to go to 7, but let's start from 6. Second Corinthians, chapter number 9, 6. Are you there now? This is... But this I say, he which soweth sparingly will reap also sparingly. <laughs> hey. Last week we, talk, we, we, we discussed about sowing seed. And the principle of sowing when it comes to giving. And the kind of giving that is. He says, he who sowed sparingly. In other words, grudgingly. 
recklessly you are just like let me just give this little little change to god that's what you reap <laughs> he says but i say he which sweat sparingly shall reap also sparingly and he and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully he says every man according as he proposes in his heart in other words you are the one that is that is deciding to give he said as you propose in your heart nobody is telling you it's a choice but you know your prosperity is dependent on it Every man according as he proposes in his heart so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity in other words all by force it's not by force <laughs> hey yeah 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 for god loveth a cheerful giver listen to to the next verse verse 8 is beautiful he said and god is able to make all grace abound towards you did you hear that the one that is a cheerful giver he said god will make all grace abound toward him Ah, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. What a blessing. All round blessing. For the one who gives cheerfully, joyously. <laughs> hey! I'm going to read that scripture in, in the Amplified Bible. Oh, you will love this. You will love this. You will love this. Verse 6, it says, Now remember this. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows generously, that blessing, that, that blessing may come to others. That blessing may come to others will also reap generously and be blessed. Verse 7. Let each one give thoughtfully. Hey, give thought to your giving. Don't just don't just go to church and it's offering time and like ah. Yeah, I kept that uh, dirty notes. No, thoughtfully. Put some thought into your offering. And with purpose. Hiya. I told you like, you need to listen to last week's messages. And um, um last week's message. I told I, 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 I told you about seed offering and how you can give your seed a name. In other words, you give your seed a purpose. That's a different type of giving. You say, Lord, I'm giving this for so so and so. Maybe you want to sit for, for an examination or you want to go for an interview. You package a seed and say, Lord, this offering is sanctified. I'm giving it as I go for that interview. That job is mine. I give this seed in the name of Jesus for my job. See, you have given that seed a purpose. That's what he says. He says, thoughtfully and purpose. He says, let each one give thoughtfully and with purpose. Just as he has decided in his heart. As you decide in your heart. And he says just as he has decided in his heart. Not grudgingly or under compulsion. It's not compulsory. It's not necessary. I mean it's not, it's not, it's not by force. He says for God loves a cheerful giver. And delights in the one whose heart is in his gift. I told you earlier, I said, let your heart be in your offering. Whose heart is in his gift? In other words, he puts his heart in it. An offering that he gives and he remembers that, ah, I gave my best.
For God loves a cheerful giver and delights in the one whose heart is in his gifts. And God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing. Hallelujah. He says God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come in abundance to you so that you may always under all circumstances, Kataya, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything, being completely self-sufficient in him, and have an abundance for every good work and act of charity. In other words, you are abundantly blessed when you do this. In all circumstances, it doesn't matter what the economy of, of, of that country is saying. Once, once you do this, it doesn't affect you. It can't affect you. Oh boy, I love that. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Classic Bible. You love this too. Verse 6. It says, remember. It says, remember this. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and proposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful giver. Hiya! Hey, did you hear that? I'm going to read that again. I'm going to rewind. He said, let each one give as he has made up his own mind and proposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do its giver, whose heart is in his giving. He said, God takes pleasure in such person and prizes that person above other things. And God is not willing to abandon or to do without that, that kind of a giver. He's not willing. He will never abandon. No wonder he sent that angel to Cornelius. No wonder. Because he will not abandon the giver. That's why they say givers never lack. Many, many troubles that you find yourself, unfavorable situations that you find yourself, if only you will learn to give. If only you will learn to give. Those problems cannot, they, they, they cannot occupy you. They cannot take you. They will let go. When you are a giver. There are some problems that cannot hold you down. They, do, they will just let go. Verse 8, he says, and God is able to make all grace, not even some grace, not a few grace, not ten graces. He said, all grace. Every favor and earthly, he says, earthly blessing. Hey, hey, car, money, houses. Which one? He says, earthly blessings, earthly. He will give you spiritual blessing and earthly blessing, all combined. This is the word of God. And God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come to you in abundance, not in a few. 
in abundance, plentifully. So that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be, self-sufficient, possessing enough. He said, no matter what the circumstance may be, you have more than enough. More than enough. You'll be self-sufficient. In other words, you know what it means? It means you have more than enough. You don't need help from anyone. Ah, what a life. You are not the one seeking help, financial help. No, hey, a giver doesn't seek financial help. He doesn't, or she doesn't, because of this blessing. Someone who does it with their heart. He said, in no circumstances, he said they will have, they will be self-sufficient, more than enough, having more than enough. Be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid. Hey, hey, I'm going to read that again. Let me rewind. He said, "He says, and God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come to you in abundance, so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever needs be, be self-sufficient, possessing." Enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donations. In other words, it says, it says you require no aid or support. How can a man be so blessed like that? That he requires no aid or support. Everything he wants to do, no matter how big it is, God says in any kind of standard, he will be self-sufficient. Hayalabarada. In any level of financial, uh, um, uh, 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 in, every, in every level of finances, it will, be finan- it will be sufficient. Be more than enough. You will have more than enough. That you will require no aid or help. No support. It's either you want to follow the principle of the devil to get money. Or you follow the principle of God. But as a child of God, there's only one way. There are no two ways to it. One way. God's own principle. This is the principle of God. Concerning financial increase. That's it. You want to be rich? Do this. <laughs> I've, read, I've read a lot of books about some very rich and wealthy men. These men were titers. Seed givers. I mean titers. In other words, they take it to the house of God. I talked about one a few weeks ago. Go and study the life of Henry Ains. The one that has all the ENS product that we have today. H-E-I-N-Z. Go and study his life. He started with a wheelbarrow. In his days, a wheelbarrow. That was where he started selling vegetables from. But this guy was diligent. Every week, he takes his title church every week. Hence, he's dead today. But he has over 126 products in circulation till now. If not even more. What do you think that is? And when he was about to die, go and study his life. He divided his, his will, his inheritance, his money. He divided and gave some to, to the church. He said, this is for God. And you want to ruin that company. You must be joking. If the first fruit be holy, the lamp is holy. That's why it's still sustaining. Because the blessing and the power of God is still upon that company. That was a company that was started well. 
Go study men like that. They were diligent in their tithing. I, I was I was reading uh, um, a book by one of the men who who who, who are kind of a. When you talk about real estate today and being rich, is a voice. And I was reading his book as a young lad, and I was shocked. I was, I mean, as a Christian too, I was shocked that I came across Titan in his book. Titan. I know a rich man. He might not show up in, in church, but he sends his tithes every Sunday. Say, Pastor, this is my tithe. Even if he doesn't show up in church, he sends his tithes. Because they know that no one can sustain wealth. Do you know what the Bible calls uh, 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 told us about wealth? It says wealth has wings. It can fly. So that's why you, you, we have so many former, former people that were once rich but are not rich anymore today. That's why. Because the wealth, it flew away from them. You, because you cannot sustain wealth. Except by the power of God. You cannot retain wealth. Except by the power of God. The Bible says that the prosperity of a fool destroys him. And that's why God, he desires to build his children. Train his children before he gives them wealth. Because if he gives a fool prosperity, it will destroy him. And through the principle of giving, there are so many things you are taming when you give. When you are submitted to God and you are diligent in all these things, there are a lot of character that you are deleting in your being, which will qualify you for God's kind of wealth. When I hear people, or when I hear Christians say, tithing is not, it's not necessary. I don't even have an answer for them. The only thing I tell them is, you know, it's not everybody that will be rich. But I know I'm one of those who will be rich. So I'm basically saying you have chosen the path of poverty. You know what poverty is? Poverty is not the lack of money. It's the lack of ability. Lack of ability, lack of ideas, lack of inspiration. They give you a task at work. You cannot even figure out a, a way. Why? Because it's not by, by, by power. It's not by might. Another Christian who is diligent in his offering and his tithes and his givings in the house of God. G give him the same task. The Holy Ghost will wake him up at night and give him strategies to fulfill the task. Without even praying. Poverty is not lack of money. It's, it's, it's lack of ability, lack of ideas. You do something and it fails. You do something and, 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 and it's not recognized. It's without effect. You can't see the glory of God in it. That's what they call in the Old Testament. They call it Ichabod. The glory has departed. That's poverty. Poverty is Ichabod. You hear me? It means the glory has departed in Hebrew, Ichabod. The glory has departed. That's poverty. But I know you are not like that. 
When you are diligent in your giving, there's this glory, there's this grace, there's this shining, there's this flourishing about you. You put your hand in a business that they say is not working, you put your money in it and it just begins to boom. Why? Because your money is sanctified. Wherever your money goes, it prospers. It prospers. Why? Because it's just more than money. It's, it's, it's more than just money. It's money sent on an errand with the power of God. Kalabaye. It's not by power. It's not by might. But by my spirit, Lord of hosts. So giving is an attribute of God. I told you. One of the admonitions I give you in this series is never be found as someone who would, who, 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 who would talk against giving. Or who would stand against giving. When you begin to talk like that, you are signing a lifelong contract. In fact, not just a lifelong, not only you, your children, generational uh, contract with poverty. That's what you're doing. And I've noticed that those who, who talk against giving are those who are stingy, who are greedy. They are looking for an excuse to keep their money. When a rich man will tell you that money is not real, and they will tell you that the money, money that you see that you are carrying, that you are so, you are so, eh, it's my money. They say it's only real in the mind of the poor. <laughs> the real money it's in the thing that the Bible tells us. The blessing. The ideas. That's the real money. You know God will never give you just money. He gives you the source. He gives you an idea. He gives you a blessing. And it turns to money. It turns, it turns to, 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 uh, to a river of money. Flowing with money. Money river. bro. Tell people, if you are not serving God, you are playing with your life. The days that we live in, where there are so much deception and lies, you better depend on God and His word and His will and do His word and His instructions. That's the only way to live peaceably in a world where there's so much darkness and, and noise and unrest. But yet, you are in your own world, peacefully. They say this is happening and that is happening there. They say, really? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not experiencing that because the Lord has blessed me. But there are things you are doing to experience that. the glory of God will be so mightily upon you. Take this seriously because I believe there's a reason why the Lord wanted us to have this discussion. There's a reason. Money is a spirit. Money is not the currency that you see. It's not the paper. The paper you see was just agreed by some people that, okay, so this will be a uh, a, a mode of exchange. But that's not real money. The real money is inside you. 
It's inside you. You can't see it. The eyes cannot see it. Forget the paper that you are spending. That's just a paper that man gave value to. Use less money. You know, use less money. Use it to honor God. Help people. Favor people. Be known as a giver. Hiya, what a name. When, when you are known as a giver. And also, be known as someone who saves. Don't just spend anyhow. Have plans. Structure out plans. Put aside money you want to give. Put a, I mean, give to people. Apart from your givings in the house of God. Put aside that. And put aside money that you will save. And the one that you are saving, the Lord will multiply. Before you know it, you get an idea. You get an idea. So this is this is the word of God to you. And we'll only be an hypocrite if we we'll go to work, you know, and then God is teaching us from his word about, about money and we are turning our backs to it. That's, that's the highest level of hypocrisy. I've been doing this all my life and I can see it at work in my life. I'm not the kind of person that will say, oh, I don't want to do this because I don't want to lose my job. I don't care. I've told many people at my job, I don't care about losing my job because that's not my source. So when it comes, it's time to stand for the truth at my job. I stand for the truth and I stand so strongly those who know me, they, they know. I stand so strongly for it. Fire me, I don't care. That's not my source. I won't lose when you fire me. You, the company, will lose me. You will lose a lot. You've got a lot to lose. In fact, I'll be walking out of that company and I'll tell you how much you will lose for the next three months. That's the child of God. I've done it before. There was a, there was a multinational company, you know. I was working as, a, as, a, as an expatriate in that company and the contract was actually supposed to be for for uh for a year but they cut it short and made it six months and when they let me go somebody came to me and say i said to me one of the workers he said i'm so sorry about about what happened you know and all that i said why are you so sorry am i crying am i sad I said, they have lost a jewel. I said, watch what will happen to this company. It's not, it's not that I'm, I'm seeking the downfall of that company. But see, as a child of God, there's something about you. You need to know that. Study your Bible. Look at Joseph. What happened to Pharaoh when, when Pharaoh made Joseph the prime minister of Egypt? The Bible says that Pharaoh became rich because of Joseph. He became very rich because of Joseph. And Egypt became rich, became a wealthy uh, uh, country because of Joseph. Just one child of God. Change the nation. So I, work, I go to work with that mentality. When I left that company, you know what happened? Other workers who were there, who were like, oh, it is. And I told them, I told them. The company began to sell its properties one after the other. One after the other. Before you know it, they sold the company. company was sold 
You can't, you can't see. You, you, you are some, don't, don't say to me, hey, my job, my job, I don't want to lose my job. Who's, who's, who's child are you? Are you serving the same God that we, that I know? I left that job after, after, I don't know, after they fired me, I left and started my own company and I was doing good, but they were there selling their properties. One after the other, going bankrupt. And you know what? Because, you know, because I know that I'm a blessing. When I got into the company, the first month, I studied, I studied their increase. One of the managers came to me because I asked him. He said, this first month, I mean, this, this month, the, the, and that was my first month in that company, they made a 50% increase. You think they, they, it, it was me. There was, they, there's something about me. 50% increase in one month. He said, they have never made such increase before. You've got to know who you are as a child of God. You carry something. Don't let people mess you up. And don't, 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 don't say, hey, my job. I, I think that job is your life. That's not your source. That's not your life. God is your source. When you begin to think that way, nobody will be put you in a point or place of disadvantage. 50%, one month. My first month in that company. 50% increase. Just like that. There's something about me. I know it. And it's about you too as a child of God. But if you don't know it, you cannot walk in it. And when I walked away, when they said, okay, Gabriel, we don't, we don't need your services anymore in this company. We, we, we're going to let you go. I laughed. I didn't lose anything. In fact, they even gave, gave me some nice severance pay. And I started my own company. And I was making money real good. The same, the, the, same, the same company that I worked and I paid my tithes, you will not be failing. The company will not go down. When I'm there, you must be kidding. I know who I am. I told many people at my job, I, I, I said, I'm not scared to lose my job. If you're scared to lose your job, so when it's time to speak the truth, you will lie. Why? Because you're scared to, look, to lose your job. You cannot stand for God. Say, I'm not scared. There was a way I was living before I got this job. So why should I be scared? If they let me go, I'll get another one. Better than this one. I know the God that I serve. It's not about the job. It's about me. And I walk out of the company and I say, in this first month, I will tell them the amount of money they will lose because I'm not there. And they will lose even the exact amount. I tell you, the Christian, a Christian is the most dangerous person you can deal with on earth. A Christian. We are very dangerous. But just that most of us don't understand who we are. We carry money on our head. We, 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 we carry it in money, our job. And some people, we, we, even, we even miss services. Church services because they have to go and work. Some are at work right now. You are here having fellowship with God. Some are working right now. In fact, they picked up to work on a Sunday. During service. Service time. One word is enough for the wise. <laughs> what is enough for the wise? Prosperity is not by power. Financial increase is not by power. There are a lot of people that didn't go to school and they are multi-billionaires. 
How did it happen? If 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 a man can make man rich, then everyone that went to school would have become very rich. The Bible says that God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Ligat <laughs> elemente. Oh boy. I advise you to be a giver. Oh, get involved in the things of God. Let your money speak the name of Jesus. Let your finances show up when it comes to God's own things. In the house of God, they're asking for giving. Be there first. Let them think you are stupid. Let them think you are stupid. I'll tell you this story and then we'll close. There was a man. A very poor man. He had a son. The church now announced and said that um, this was years and years ago. Years and years because the, the young boy I'm, I'm talking about now became president twice in a nation. So his father, when he was a young boy, his father, in the church that the father takes the young boy to, you know, the church where the fellowship, the pastor announced that they need, needed an organ. So, the man was the only one that stood up and said he would buy the organ. And this guy was only a bricklayer. They cannot even eat. They don't even have money enough to eat in the house. But he stood up and said he was going to buy the church the organ. And they laughed at him. After the service, he took his son and said, Pastor, I'm going to, bring, I'm going to leave my son with you in the church. Whatever work that you need him to do, let him do. Clean and all that. When I buy the organ, then I will take him back. When this man tells his story, his dynamic story, he always refers to this. The man became a president. From going to jail, became a president. Re got reelected again as a president. And he will tell you it was the sacrifice of his father. The father worked solely just because he can buy that organ. He said it took the father a while, but he bought the organ. You don't know what your seeds will do for you. I told you a scripture. I quoted a scripture to you. He says, believe in the Lord your God. He said you'll be established. He said, believe in his prophets and you shall prosper. I told you, your prosperity is tied to your pastor. So you can't say because uh, uh, you are a Christian, you are on your own. You know, I can give to that church. I can give to this church. No. That's not the way it's done. You must have a pastor. That's what the Bible tells us. The Bible, God said, he said, I will give unto you pastors according to my heart. He said, they will give you knowledge and understanding. You cannot be a sheep without a shepherd. Because your prosperity, your success in your Christian work is dependent on your pastor. And your pastor will be the one to give account to God about you. The Bible lets us know. They will give record of you. So imagine who's going to give record of you of, or, or, or about you when you don't have a pastor. Who will God wake up in the middle of the night to pray for you when there's an evil about to happen to you? And you cannot pray.
Your pastor is your spiritual father that watches over you. By the power of God, the man of God standing on God's behalf for you. A pastor is not anointed for himself. He's anointed for the sheep. Praise the Lord. So I hope from this you can you can begin to make some adjustments in your life and in your decisions. Because it will help you. I have a pastor. <laughs> I do. I do. Praise God. I pray for you today that the word of God will settle yet more and more in your heart. I pray that the effect of the word of God will produce in your life that which words cannot explain. That which cannot be defined in dialects. The word of God will produce in your life the miraculous in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this week, this week, the blessing of the Lord will come upon you in such a way that you have never experienced before. The favor of God upon you in your home, in your life, in all that you do. There will be a difference in your life from now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs>